Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, South Valley. I'm Tim Brown. It's good to be back with you two weeks in a row. I love being here. Oh, thanks. Please stop. Stop, please. (laughs) You guys are too good. I love being here. And um, if you're new here, it's your first time here, I apologize um, because you have to be here when I'm here. But I promise you here in a few weeks, the new pastor is coming and we're excited for Ricky Hemme and his family to come. So you come back. He'll be here in a few weeks. So we're excited about that. My wife, Jen, and I, we have three kids. We've had them 22, 18, and 12 years. And uh, I'm not sure I'm getting much out of it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, from the beginning, the flow of the resources seemed to be going one way. I mean, we've invested a ton of time and energy emotional strain and it seems like they take and they take and they take and they take this has been going on for over two decades housing food clothing education now one's getting married the list goes on and on thank you and on And, you know, the flow of resources really hasn't turned around any. I mean, every now and then they may give you a card or a gift. But you know what's odd about that is I end up giving them the money to buy me a card and a gift. Overall, the financial return on my investment has been quite low. Do you want to come and finish it? (laughs) Uh, Jen and I have been married since 2014. And I'm sure I'm not getting the bigger piece of the pie in that relationship either. Sometimes, in fact, I'll empty the dishwasher without being asked. I'll do a load of laundry or two. I even put it away. Sometimes I'll straighten up around the house, and do you know she doesn't even write me a thank you note? Do you know that she won't call the board at the church where I am the lead pastor in Modesto or the board of Growing Healthy Churches where I am the executive minister and tell them what a good job I'm doing? She won't even call my sisters and tell them how wonderful a brother they have. Now, you're a smart group of people here. We can already hear that from your heckling this morning. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that if you were to take me aside, you would say, Tim, that's not how family works. Family is not primarily something that you receive from. It's something that you give to, and it's in the giving of a gift to someone that you receive a gift in return. Many of you would say, if you approach family the way that you just talked about, if you approach family as a consumer who's supposed to be getting something 
out of it, you will always end up being disappointed because family is something you give to, not primarily something you get from. You see, because it's in the giving, it's in the giving that the gift comes. So you see your baby smile for the first time. You spend time saving and sacrificing for a gift, and you give the gift, and you watch as someone deeply appreciates it, and tears flow freely. You, you look across the room, and you see the woman that you've been in love with, and so you pull out your phone, and because you're in a crowded room, Maybe like some of you right now, you're in a crowded room and you pull out your phone. I know what you're doing. You pull out your phone and and you start texting. And you text her. And you say, you're breathtakingly beautiful. I mean, I know you're not the same person that I met many years ago. But you're stunning. You're incredibly beautiful. You're hot. (laughs) I am blessed to be your husband. And you wait, you wait, you wait for the return text, and it never comes. You want her to say that back to you, but you know that she does love you, and, and she does speak the truth, and that's one of the qualities that you love about her. You see, family is something that you give to, not primarily something that you receive from. And if you approach family as a consumer, then you will always be disappointed with what you receive. Because, 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 because. It's in the giving that the gift comes. So what's been some of your favorite gifts? Can you think of any offhand? Just think of some of your favorite gifts that you received. I brought a couple from my wife, Jen. I'll talk to her about her quite a bit here this morning. So one vouch, she's really good. She, she knows that I don't particularly, uh, one of the things I like is for people to, I, mean, I like handmade gifts. And she's really crafty. And so uh, she upcycles furniture. That's, she has a business where she upcycles furniture. She's very talented that way. And she's very uh, crafty. I mean, if you were here last week, you all remember the three chairs last week? She made those signs for me. I mean, she's good at making numbers, right? <laughs> if you all were not here and you didn't see that, it was just three simple signs, one, two, three. Um, but she spends a lot of time sometimes thinking of gifts to give me. This is a simple deck of cards that she did one year for Valentine's Day. And on the outside of the deck of cards, it says 52 out of a million reasons why I adore you. And so what she did is she went through here and she puts pictures. She cropped pictures out and then wrote what she loved, what loves about me. Isn't that incredible? 52 things. I carry this with me. Carry it with me wherever I go. Very precious. This last Valentine's Day, sorry, every now and then I get a little emotional. I know that's hard for you all to believe. You've never seen me that way here. 
So for Valentine's Day, here, here's what she did. Uh, now, I, I can't, I'm not good at math. I'm not gifted that way. Uh, 52 times 2 is something like, I don't know what, 104. So there's 104, like, sticks in here, like dip sticks, you know, like tongue depressors. And what she did is she came up with two dates a week for us. And so she wrote all these date ideas on these sticks. And so my, my job, my gift, she said, so here I've planned for us uh, 104 dates. Your job is to pull one out, and, um, and then we'll do that this, during the week. So, for instance, I pulled one out. Bake cookies from scratch, his choice. Okay. Um, Uh, no, I'm not reading you that one. <laughs> However, I'm going to save that one for later. <laughs> Watch a scary movie together, his choice, so you get it. What a shame it would be if she spent all this time and effort to give me a very special gift and I never used it or I didn't appreciate it. Scripture tells us that God has given us three specific gifts. First of all, Scripture said that He's given all of us eternal life if we accept it. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This life is just a layover, He says, and so I'm going to give you the gift of eternity if you accept my Son as your Savior. As that great theologian Carrie Underwood once sang, this is our temporary home. It's not where we belong. A second gift that God has given us is the gift of the Holy Spirit, he says. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Scripture teaches that if we are to repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of of His Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about His imminent death to His disciples one time. And they were saddened by it. And He said, fellas, listen, it's good if I go. Because there is one greater than me that's going to be made available to you if I go. Greater than Jesus? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Who helps us walk through this life? Guides us corrects us, inspires us. And then there's a third gift that often we don't talk about. And many Christians don't even realize that they have this gift available to them. Many followers of Christ, you have this laying dormant in your life. It's going to waste. And it's a special ability to be used for His purpose. We call these spiritual gifts. Now these are different from material gifts or physical gifts. These are spiritual gifts. We'll talk about it more in depth here in just a second. But these are abilities that God has given you to get His purpose for you done in this life. He's given you abilities you need to get His job done. These spiritual gifts, these special abilities are part of why God designed you. Romans 12.6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. 
Another translation says, The gifts we possess differ as they are allotted to us by God's grace and must be exercised accordingly. Sadly, most followers of Jesus are not even aware that you have these special gifts that are laying in you dormant that God wants you to use and exercise. Imagine that he has designed a special gift for you that goes unopened. What a tragedy that would be. If you follow Jesus, God doesn't just call you to come and attend church. God calls you to serve his family. And listen very carefully. If you're not, then you're not following the way of Jesus. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. So as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be modeling our lives after him. So I question how much we are really growing in our depth and knowledge and practice of following him as a disciple. If we're not engaged in actively serving his family by discovering and understanding and deploying our spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to go and read it sometimes, Paul spends a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12... He says in verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. This means that every one of you who follow Christ have at least one spiritual gift. And if you're a believer, you've at least got one. And a spiritual gift, what is it? It is a special God-given ability given to you so that you can serve other people in your family, your church family. Now, remember what I said, that it would be ludicrous for me to think that I, if, if I think of family just as a consumer, then I'm going to spend most of my life disappointed. Because family is not primarily something we give to, but not primarily something we receive from, it's something that we give to. Guess what Scripture calls a body of believers like this? You are a spiritual family. So that means if I come to church, if I come to this body only expecting to receive something, not realizing that as a family member I have a role in giving something, I will be greatly disappointed in my spiritual walk. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And you don't need to choose what your spiritual gift is. It's because God gives it to you. You don't earn a gift. He gives it to you. He determines what your gift is. And when I use my spiritual gift, and you use your spiritual gift in the family, people get blessed. I hope that as I use my spiritual gifts that people get blessed. And I hope that as you use your spiritual gift, people get blessed. But if I neglect my spiritual gift, do you know what I'm doing? I'm cheating my family. Every gift is important. The Bible lists at least 20 spiritual gifts. It's probably just exemplary. There's probably more than that. And spiritual gifts are way different than natural abilities. When you were born, you were born with certain natural abilities. Let's just test this, okay? And this is going to require you maybe to help the people around you to determine whether or not they have this nat these natural abilities, okay? So it's okay for you to interact with each other. Just don't heckle me anymore. I'm just kidding. 
so do you know that about 53%, over half of the people here this morning and watching online, about 53% of you can roll your tongue according to statistics? Can, can any of you roll your tongue? Raise your hand if you can roll your tongue. Look at all the, look at all the tongue rollers in here. Uh, some more of you, uh, maybe a few less, can actually, um, can actually roll your tongue under. Can anybody do that? Okay. Can anybody here wiggle your ears? Okay. Any of you, we used to call it in school, I don't know if it's, as I was growing up, I'm not sure this is the, the right term for it, being double-jointed. Do you all understand what I'm talking about? We had one gal that could bend her arm, wave, oh, it was awful. Can do any of you have fingers or toes or, you guys are strange, but you're fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Anybody double-jointed in their toes? I didn't see that in their toes, in their toes. Don't wear flip-flops. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a real ability. Do any of you hear voices in your head? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. Every one of us have natural abilities. But have you noticed that there are kids you know when they're born, they have natural gifts. Here's what you do now that we're open back up after COVID and you see kids out at the pool or at the playground. Just sit back and watch and you'll know that there are certain kids who are made to be entertainers. Right? They're born that way. There are some who are... Natural-born leaders, you watch them. You watch. Some of you are just naturally good at science. Anybody here naturally good at science? Math? Anybody naturally good at math? I don't like you guys. I'm just saying it right now. I struggle with math. Now, how about English and writing? That's more my area. Anybody? Yeah? Okay, here's a few. Natural. It comes natural for you. Some of you are good at just being coordinated, so you're, you're good at sports and different things like that. Some of you, coordination is nowhere on the scale. It just comes naturally. So what's the difference between a natural ability and a spiritual gift? Here it is. Spiritual gifts re- reproduce and produce spiritual results. They lead people into some encounter with God. For instance, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, there are, good, there are people who are good at Bible teaching, but they're not spiritually gifted as a Bible teacher. And there's a difference. People who are good at just teaching the Bible, at good at giving information, but people with the spiritual gift are good at transformation. So you know, they may not be the best public speaker, but man, something happens when they teach. And you sense and feel the power of God moving. I know a lot of people who are great teachers in school or in college and business. They're professional teachers, and they're great at it. But when it comes to teaching things of a spiritual nature, it falls flat. Because they've not been given that spiritual gift. I know some other people who are naturally good at singing. But they may not have the spiritual gift of music or singing. I've heard people sing, and I'm going, man, that person's an amazing singer. And then I've been in the presence of people like we have up here at South Valley who have a spiritual gift of singing, and you know it's something different. When you may be uh, amazed by somebody's voice who may not have the spiritual gift of music, when there's somebody who does, you're not amazed at their voice, you're amazed at God. 
My wife Jen will often say, when somebody has that gift, she goes, oh, man, I just got the goosebumps. Yeah. Have you ever tried to see the difference between somebody who has the gift of encouragement and somebody who doesn't? We all should encourage one another, but there's difference when somebody has a spiritual gift of encouragement. Because somebody who's trying to encourage you may not encourage you at all. You could walk away feeling worse. Have you ever experienced that before? But you find somebody, you get around somebody with the spiritual gift of encouragement, and you're like, oh my gosh. You're like a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much. All of us are called to serve, but not everybody has been given the spiritual gift of service. We're all called to serve. But when you have the gift of service, I mean, you'll see, you walk around the campus, you see people who have the spiritual gift of service because they're smiling the whole time they're doing it. I mean, they're sweating because it's hot outside, you know, 107, they're outside doing their thing, they're serving everybody, hey, how's it going? And somebody without the spiritual gift of service, like, oh, I can't wait to get in. Like, you know, they're just, you're, sometimes people who serve without the spiritual gift of service, they complain and they whine and you just want to say, I wish you wouldn't serve. Right? So why are spiritual gifts important? Just quickly this morning, let me share about three things with you. One, they show that God has a plan for our lives. Our spiritual gifts are important because they show that God has a plan for our lives. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So there's, there's different gifts that work different ways. So let me give you an example. So let me give you a scenario, okay? So let's pretend that you're at a party at somebody's house. And you're serving dessert, and there's, there's, uh, there's people there with six different spiritual gifts, and as somebody's walking by with their dessert, they drop it, and it falls all over the floor. So just follow this, how different spiritual gifts will respond. Are you still with me, South Valley? Okay. So if I have the spiritual gift of exhortation, you'd probably be likely to say to that person, well, that's, not hap- that's what happens when you're not careful. So you got to be careful as you're navigating around different people in a large gathering carrying a delicate dessert. But if you have the spiritual gift of mercy, you'd be saying, oh, it's okay, you know, this happens. Everybody does that every now and then. We're not going to cry over spilt milk. If you have the spiritual gift of serving, you'd probably be saying, oh, let me help you clean that up. If you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you'd probably say, now the reason that it fell over is because it was overloaded on this one side and you tried to put too much dessert on your plate. And whoever got the plates next time, don't get the flimsy ones. Let's get the really nice ones. If you have the spiritual gift of giving, you'd say, don't worry, I'll be right back. I'm going to run down the grocery store and get another one. Or if you had the spiritual gift of administration... You'd probably say something like this. Now, Jim, you go over there and you get stuff to clean this up. And Sue, you come along behind and make sure the floor is dry because we don't want anybody to slip. And then what we're going to do is we are going to send Billy down to get the new dessert. And also, you go with him because he doesn't know where it is in the store and make sure that you get the right plates. That's the gift of administration. And every group typically has one like that. They show that God has a plan for our lives. 
Secondly, spiritual gifts are important because they show our worth and our value. In verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. When I was growing up and in school, one of the scariest days was always when you had to go to P.E. and there would always be the selection process in physical education. Do any of you remember that? Where two people would be selected to pick sides. And were any of you always the first ones to be picked? Oh, we've got a bunch of losers in this crowd then, huh? (laughs) You're like me. You know, you're waiting, just waiting. Please pick me. I had a cousin who was eight years older than me, and we were very close, almost like brothers, and I spent a lot of time with him. And even as a teenager, he wanted me around and stuff like that, and we played a lot of sports and stuff together. And so I spent a lot of my growing up years with people who were older than me, high school kids. And they would get together to play basketball in the summer or wiffle ball in the backyard or whatever. And so usually Bob, that was my cousin, he was usually the one would pick. And I just, I wanted him to pick me so badly. And I felt so honored when he did because I knew that I was going to win on Bob's team. And him picking me was like he's saying, you're going to be a winner too. And man, I gave extra effort because Bob picked me. God picked you to be on his winning team. You are a part of the body of Christ. If you, follow Christ, if you follow Jesus, you're a part of his body. He's picked you. And Paul would go on to say, Therefore, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Every part of the body is valuable. And when one part is doing great, the whole part does great. But when one part hurts, all parts hurt. You know this to be true. You could say, man, I am feeling great in 90% of my body, but I've got a headache today. And your whole body suffers. Paul says that the church is actually the body or presence of Christ on on earth. Paul says that the body is a unit. It's kind of fun to think about what body part you would be. Some of you may be the mouthpiece. Some of you may be the ear. One guy says he likes to be the elbow because he's always jabbing somebody. I don't know what part you are, but I'll tell you what you're not. What do you call an organism that lives off of the body, that takes nourishment from the body, but does not contribute to the body? It's called a parasite. God did not call you to be a parasite. So as a follower of Christ, we are part of the body, not to suck life out of it, but also to give life to it. Through our service, through our spiritual gifts. We are the body of Christ and there's no useless body parts. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, you're not useless. I didn't tell you to tell them why. One more thing here. Why are spiritual gifts important? They show God's plan for our lives. They show that we have our worth and value. And thirdly, they are a step to fulfillment and purpose in life. They are a step to fulfillment and purpose in life. God has a plan and a purpose. And part of that is for you to understand your spiritual giftedness and use it. They asked a group of kids one time, held up a pen and a little 
survey that they were doing, what, what, what could you use this pen for? And there's amazing responses. Some, some kids said, well, I could use it to make money because I would sell it. One kid said, well, I could use it to poke someone in the eye. Another one said, well, I could use it as self-defense while getting mugged. Uh, another kid said, well, we could use it to play sword fight in class. Another kid said, well, I could use it as a measuring tool. Um, another kid says, well, I could use the, the pen cap to store tiny things like pieces of paper and cheat sheets. Um, another said, well, I could use it to dig a hole in the ground. Another says, well, you could use it as a support for plants that are growing, you know, and tie it around. Um, another said, well, I could use it to play drums. Um, another said, well, I could use it as a signal to, to tap tap on my desk to, to get somebody to pay attention to me or to look what I'm doing. Uh, one gal said I could use it to secure my hair into a bun. I'm sure none of you ladies have ever done that. But that's not what the pen was designed for. So it would never be used to its full purpose unless you use it for what the Creator designed it for. And the same is true for us, friends. God designed us that when we have our spiritual rebirth, he gives us gifts to be used to serve others. Otherwise, we're not living out our purpose. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Oh, please hear that. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. In the balcony, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. How are you all doing up there today? Okay. The gift to you comes in the giving of your gift to others. So what should you do with your spiritual gifts? Discover them. If you've never gone through an assessment process on July the 13th over in the chapel... I'm going to come, and it's going to be a fun night. It's not going to be just teaching. There'll only be a little bit of that. You're actually going to take a spiritual gifts survey. It's kind of like a personality test. And I'll administer it. We're going to score it and come up with some possibilities about how God has gifted you if you've never done that. So discover them. Experiment. Second, develop them. Get better at using your, your talents and abilities. And third, deploy them. Use them and you will grow spiritually and you will be blessed. Again, I come back to what Jesus said when Jesus said, I did not come to be served but to serve. That's what we do in families. You are the family of God. Some people ask me sometimes, and I'll just hit this quickly, how can I be sure that I'm using the gift that I was given? So I'm serving, but how can I be sure that it's actually a spiritual gift? So let me give you three things real quickly. You should expect to see confirmation from others outside of your immediate family because they lie to you. If you don't believe me, watch some of these talent shows on TV. Expect confirmation from others as you use your spiritual gifts. And if you're not getting confirmation, it could be that you're operating outside of your giftedness. I know this, we deal with this a lot when it comes to the more visible gifts that often we see in churches. And so one of the more visible gifts happens to be music ability, right? 
And you can tell when somebody is not gifted that way. But it's shocking to me the number of people who come up to me and say, God has gifted me with a voice to sing and to praise God. And uh, it's as if no one has been honest enough to tell them you can't carry a tune in a bucket. You're bad. It's not that you're a bad person. You're, you're singing does not bless anybody. All it does is annoy everybody. Have you ever been around somebody like that in church? You want people to make a joyful noise, but goodness sakes, I'm telling you, you wouldn't want me up here leading worship. It could also mean that you may be abusing your gift if you're not getting confirmation. I had a person who was very influential in my life that had an amazing gift of leadership and influence. But he used that gift to manipulate and hurt people. He was using it to be self-serving. And you can pick people out who have a spiritual gift of leadership who use it to be self-serving really quick. And they may say, well, God's gifted me that way, but you may not be using it appropriately. Secondly, you should expect to experience joy when you use your gifts. And if you're not experiencing joy, then you may be operating out of your giftedness. You may not be gifted in that area. Or you may need an attitude adjustment. Because joy is a choice. <laughs> your attitude is a choice. Some people say, well, I just got out on the wrong side of the bed. I say, get back in and get up on the other side. <laughs> it's a choice. I've, seriously, as a church leader, I deal with this a lot. People who, who come to serve and they say, I've been given the gift of service. And man, you tell them, don't. I would rather you stay home because your attitude stinks so badly that it is fuming up everywhere you go. It would be better if you didn't serve with a bad attitude than if you had served with the right one. Get that right and then let's serve. Thirdly, you should expect to see fruit from your labor. And if you're not, you may be operating out of your giftedness or you may be serving with the wrong motives. Just recently I've had to deal with this. For instance, people who come to volunteer and they've been gifted in a certain way but they want to be paid for that. And if not paid, then I need to deduct what I give to the church because this is what I would get paid on my job. Probably won't see fruit from your labor that way. Again, I'll go back to my wife a little bit. Again, I told you I was going to talk to her about her a little bit today. She, she has a way of arranging things in her mind that it's amazing. So she's a visionary. She can see things. And one of the things that she likes to do and she'll sit for hours and do this, and she loves to work puzzles. And the more difficult, the better for her. Any of you like that, come afterwards after church. Let's have a special time of prayer. <laughs> so for Christmas, people will often give her, or a birthday or whatever, they'll often give, give her a puzzle. And she loves the TV show Friends. She grew up watching it, and we watch it almost every day, an episode or two. And so she had this friend's puzzle. And she was so frustrated. True story. Gets to the end of her puzzle and she's missing one piece. Oh, we looked everywhere. One piece. 
the puzzle was incomplete. You are a piece of the puzzle of the kingdom of God. You are important to the whole picture of what God is trying to do to redeem the world. Use your spiritual gifts. My wife has an incredible family history. Uh, they've, they've, they've researched a lot of it. And so uh, on her, I think it's her dad's side of the family, they, he's traced them back, I mean, around 600 uh, uh, around 600 that's a long time to trace your history and they're from the Scotland area and over in that area in fact his family the Douglas clan uh, they were royalty in Scotland there's actually a, a castle there that they've gone and seen they were royalty in Scotland now my family also on my dad's side come from that region of the world and Brown back then it was B-R-O-U-N-E pronounced Brune they were servants to the Douglas clan. I said, well, history repeats itself. <laughs> right? Um, she has a family also on another side of the family from Sweden and different things like that. So one day, um, her, I think it was her, grand, her grand, uh, grandfather had passed away. And uh, her grandma her, uh, called and said, hey, Jen... We're going through some old stuff in the garage. There's this old box, and we know how you like china and dishes and stuff. We found this old box. We are pretty certain it's from your great-great-grandmother who immigrated to the United States. And um, we're just going to donate these dishes to Goodwill or Salvation Army. But they've got these little flower designs on the inside of them and... uh, we know how you like that stuff. Would you want them? And so she said, sure. So she went, and when she got them, she was like, Tim, these, these feel weird. They're different. And she was looking at some of the design on the inside and on the outside. And she said, I've got a friend, because she has a shop. She works in a shop in Old Town Clovis. That's where she puts some of her antiques. Shop's called Once Upon a Time, harmless plug. Um, And she said, "Uh, I've got a friend across the street. He may know something about that, because there's some weird writing on the bottom. And when he looked at it, he said, Jen, I think what we need to do is we, let me make a couple of calls. And so this guy who works in a shop next to hers is actually friends with, uh, uh, his name's Mike. He's uh, on American Pickers. Well, yeah, Mike, whatever he's row, I think, whatever you just said, yeah. And so made a couple of calls and so put her in touch with this guy that is um, with like an American Roadshow, antique show or something like that. And so uh, he took a look at these and he said, oh my goodness. Do you know what you have here? And she said, no. He says, well, there's porcelain inlaid here. Each one of the dishes, especially the teacups, they, they're, they're each hand-painted with a different design. And he said, 
if I'm not mistaken, give me a few minutes, and he made a call. Uh, yeah, this is 24 karat gold inlaid. And he said these were actually made in a factory, I think he said in Brussels, that was bombed during World War II. So he said, you actually, what you have here is priceless. So she started asking the family, and apparently what happened is her great-great-grandmother, they were very poor growing up, and she, she was like a maid or a housekeeper, and so every so often what she would do is when she would get paid, she would go buy one piece of china, and she would wrap it up really, really well and put it in a box. She didn't get married until she was older in life, and um, her, her idea was apparently that she would bring the china out on special occasions, but there was never a special occasion. So these never came out of the box. She died never using them. And they stayed in the family for years, never to be used. You know, if you have a gift like this, that's this valuable, and you never use it, You might as well do this. That whole story I made up. <laughs> to illustrate a point. Please don't be mad at me. Okay. You see the point I'm making, though? And maybe God be glorified by how you use the precious, treasured, spiritual gift he's entrusted to you. Will you stand with me in closing prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you for these wonderful friends of mine here at South Valley and how they put up with me in my dramatics. This is a gifted church. And I know when multitudes of people from this church start to understand how they are specially made and gifted by you and they start deploying these gifts, this community and the world will never be the same. I pray that you would inspire those people who are wondering right now, what can I do to use what you have gifted to me, God? Guide them through the gift of your Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. And all of us say together, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Okay, see you next week. God bless you.